This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Pro-democracy protests erupted in Thailand in January of 2020. Students were in the vanguard. But such protests are extremely dangerous in Thailand. Anyone who challenged or threatening the lawyer family would be put on jail, and the charge is very high. The penalty is very high. It's 15 years. With me to talk about these protests is Konokrat Lair Truskasal, an assistant professor at the Faculty of Political Science at Chulakong University in Thailand. She has followed student activist movements for many years and has interviewed hundreds of student protesters since January. She specializes in student movements, left-wing activism, and democratization in Thailand. Konokrat Lertruskasa, welcome to Fresh Ed. So what's going on with the Thai protests today? Can you give us a little bit of background and context? Actually, the protests started since uh, January this year. But uh, there were several rounds of the student protests in many universities throughout the country but it has been suspended because of the COVID. And it, we have seen this phenomenon emerge again in all September. And now the protest has proliferated throughout the country every day, including both not only the university students, but also the high school and primary school students. Wow. And so it's it's happening throughout Thailand. I mean, the photos that I see seem to be pictures of Bangkok, but you're saying that this is happening in more places throughout Thailand? Yes, particularly during the past six or seven days, there were around at least 10 locations of the protests throughout the country in every region in the north in Chiang Mai, in the south in Hat Yai Song Kra, and in the northeastern of Thailand in Khon Gan, in Surin, and in Bangkok, there were at least five locations nearly every day. Wow. Wow. And how many people are protesting? Do we have an idea of, of the size of these protests? For example, yesterday, there were at least uh, 20,000 people on the streets in Bangkok in probably five locations. And there were, for example, yesterday, there were in Konkan around two or 3,000 people. And in other provinces, at least three or 4,000 people at, at least in different locations. Is it mostly students or, or are other people joining these protests? Uh, mostly, particularly in other provinces, there were students, university students, and also the high school students. In Hat Yai, for example, mainly were high school students. But in Bangkok, because uh, now there were around five locations every day, there were not only the students. There were including other uh, workers, in the city center of Bangkok and also the uh, urban poor, those who used to join the Richard anti-establishment movements. Why are all of these students and a few other people protesting? At first, I, I have to say that I start interviewing since all the participants, I mainly focus on the participants of this protest since uh, February. And 
I think there were three major reasons that why the students, they are now on the street. I think there were first, there were three changes. And the second is there were two not changes in this society. And the last is their dream. I would like to elaborate the first is the first changes that the younger generation in Thailand are now facing. The first is the change in their socialization. The socialization in Thailand has changed during the past 10 to 20 years. The younger modern family have changed the way of raising their kids, no longer using the authority in the past. Their parents, are the same age as mine, around 40, 30 years old, and they are now uh, raising their kids with a new kind of idea, more liberal. They would like to promote self-criticisms among their kids. They would like to promote things out of the box. They would like their kids to be different. And they've mm -hmm. already crafted a new generation their parents very proud when they ask the question about nearly everything. And this most of around 80% of the students that I interview, they live in the pretty more open family mixed with different ideological groups of people. Many join the anti-toxin protest, many support the royalists, many anti-establishment. So this generation, they grew up in a very vibrant society, which have never ever seen before in the Thai political history. The second changes is a disruptive world. As you have known, not only in the Western world, but in Thailand, the change in uh, economic and also technology and also this globalization have challenged this generation like none any other generation have mentioned before. I asked that why they start to protest. I think nearly 60% of the students told me that because of their future, they have been very worried about their future in the way that I have never ever heard the high school student talk about this before. I interviewed one of the 14 year old student and she keep up the information about the price of the material trade every day because their family have involved in this agricultural uh, trade. So, so she have been very aware about the government policy, the impact of the government policy on the agricultural products. The age of 14 years old, she, she follow up the information, the news all the time because she have very worried about her future. She told me that the future for the younger generation is very difficult, more difficult than the older generation. And the last change is the technology of the, so, the media. I, I call it the modern media. It's not only about the social media, but the younger generation comparing to the older generation in Thailand, they have been able to access to the new kind of political tool, both the printed media and also the online media, offline, online. For the online, the Twitter have changed this generation, not only access into the information, but also use Twitter as the political mechanism in participate in politics, which for me is more of the extension of the face-to-face -face communication. Mm. But for the Twitter, this generation, they, they communicate with, with this kind of the wider world, communicate with those who they haven't ever known. And they used it to access into the new information, not only that, but also to do their political campaign. 
the Twitter, the retweeting, the hashtag campaign have become the new political tool for them to voice out their, their, their demand and also their frustration. But the reason that why they stood up on the street, because after two or three years of campaign online, their voice have never ever been heard. So, so they got very frustrated particularly after the dissolving of the Future Forward Party. We can say that this party is the representative of the younger generation. So the government decided to dissolve this party in January, and since then the protest began. What was the logic of the government to dissolve Future Forward as a political party? Because from my understanding, it won many seats in parliament and then was dissolved. Yes, that's right. There were two reasons, two, two issues that why the government decided to, to dissolve this party. The first is because they alleged this party as the connection with the old movement, for example, like the Red Shirt and the Thaksin groups, that they, they, they perceived that the Future Forward is the new version of the crony of the Thaksin government. On the other hand, they perceive this as a new threat as the younger generation supporter that they argue that this group of uh, political party, the, the future forward, try to mobilize the younger generation to, to support their power. However, this is not the allegation that this have been used to, to, to dissolve this party. It have been used other law, for example, the, the fundraising, give the loan to the to the future vote forward party in order mm. to do the political campaign because the government have drawn up the constitution which limit the ability for the new emerging party to do the fundraising. It might be helpful if you could give a little bit of context about who Faskin was and the sort of political history of modern Thailand where you know there was this political coalition okay. that was supporting um, the rural poor, and they kept getting removed from office, more or less. But maybe you could give a little bit of history for, for the listeners who might not know who Faskin was. Okay. During the past uh, 20 years, Thailand have been under the political battle between the two polarized movement and polarized elite. On the one hand, we have seen the emerging new generation of the politician and political party like a Thai Rak Thai and Pur Thai, which have been led by former Prime Minister Thaksin Chinawat. His background is come from the, the tycoon, the IT tycoon, and he promotes the policy platform party, promoting the policy for the poor and for the lower middle class people in Thailand, for example, like a universal health care, the, the cheap loan for the uh, small and medium enterprise. However, and he successfully mobilized the support from the lower middle class, which is the majority of the Thai population. On the other hand, it was the, the, the old establishment, including many political parties, which have been, an, an in, including, for example, the, the Democrat Party and the old elite, like those in the royalist military and the technocrats. Since uh, before 1997, the old elite 
elite have dominated the politics of the parliament. However, since 2000, Thaksin won the election and he successfully mobilized the support from the rural poor and also the urban new emerging middle class through his so-called populist policy, is a poor-poor policy. So after two rounds of victory, overwhelming victory in the election, the middle class, uh, the upper middle class, and also the old establishment start to campaign against Thaksin and his political party. And they have used uh, different kinds of political and legal method in order to dissolve his party uh, several times. However, they were still the following success, his successor and new party emerged in order to replace that the, the, the Tyraktis become Purtai and etc. About four new political parties replaced the old one. Mm. So, so there were countless rounds of battle between the supporter of the Thaksin, which they organized themselves into the movement called the Red Shirt Movement. On the other hand, the established middle class and also the old elite organized themselves in the in the anti-taxin camp, which is called themselves, they call themselves the yellow shirt movement. So this kind of the long battle back and forth between the yellow shirt and the uh, red shirts have been the, the, the context and the background of this new emerging student protest. In 2014, there were the military coup data against the successor of Thaksin, his sister, Ying yeah. Lakshinawat, formulate a new political party to replace the older uh, dissolved party. Um, the military coup d'etat coup against this government and drew the constitution, which would help them to sustain their authority in the long run. And they allowed to have the election last year in, in 2019 in February. But the result was contradict to the initial intention. Instead of winning the election, the military, the political party backed by military uh, won only the second. At the same time, there were the new emerging political party mobilizing the support of the younger generation. Wow. It, I mean, it's a really chaotic history, right? And, and you can imagine why students or young people might feel disillusioned or worried about the future as you were talking exactly. about. Exactly. A question I have is why on, you know, why did this start or how did this start on college campuses? Like how did students start mobilizing to actually say, you know, we need to now take to the street? I mean, that seems like a very major decision to make. That's right. Because as the one who studied the student movement in Thailand for quite some time, the student movement in Thailand have declined recently. We have seen the rise of the student movement during the 1970s, but after the collapse of the Communist Party of Thailand in around 1980s, the student movement declined. And we haven't seen the role of the student in the political movement since mm. then. But we have seen the sign of this re-emerging of the student role in the political movement since the military coup d'etat in 2014. However, during this time, there were several groups of the anti-military dictatorship, anti-military coup amongst a small group of the radical students, but they were not be able to mobilize the mass support. What we have seen is only 
after the dissolving of the uh, Future Forward Party, we have started to see the younger generation of the students in the university start to organize themselves, but only within the university. During that time, there were a lot of problems with the Future Forward that would not allow them to promote the protest themselves because if they have just, after dissolving Future Forward Party, they have reorganized the new political party and there were a lot of warning that if they protest on the street, then new party would be dissolved again. Mm. So there were a lot of hesitation among this party in order to promote the protest on the street. But by the time the students have already organized themselves and this group of students were different from the radical wing of the student who organized the protest since the military coup d'etat. This is a totally new faces. We haven't known them before. Many of them were ordinary students who were frustrated that the, the party that they chose have been dissolved. During that time, there were just a small group of students, but we have already seen the sign in February that there were uh, the protests in the location that we haven't seen before. For example, like in the Chulalongkorn University, we have been coined as the very one of the very conservative and very loyalist university. We have seen doing in February, there were around 2000 students in the campus, which have never happened before since 1970s. But during this time, the thing have totally different. The rising of the high school student it became something that have been unexpected. And to be honest, the, the issue that they raised and they campaigned is when beyond going against the military coup d'etat is now lifting the issue to the anti-monarchy, anti-establishment in the bigger level, which it's for me is something that unpredictable. We have and never ever seen anything like this before. And is it dangerous? I mean, I would imagine young students going to the street and sort of talking out against the monarchy and the military rulers is potentially very dangerous. Yes, it was very, very dangerous. The government arrested many students at the very initial state of the protest in September. But the, the, the turning point was on the 10th of August, when the United Front of Tamasat and demonstration publicly announced their demands for the monarchy to reform, they proposed 10 demands for the monarchy to be more accountable to the society. At that time, it was shock for the Thai society that how the protest would be able to, to talk about this publicly. It was the first time because it many people even po uh, talk about this in social media. Several students and people have been arrested and charged by the Le Majesty Law 112 that anyone who challenged or threatening the lawyer family would be put on jail. And the charge is very high. The penalty is very high. It's 15 years. But that was the first time. And since then, since 10 of August, the Thai society have totally changed. Talking about reforming of the monarchy become something a lot more open. In the different places, different location in the protest, this became the major 
issue in the protest more than talk discussing about the reform of the government or asking the prime minister to resign. Wow. So do you see this in your your sort of everyday life? People talking about reforming the monarchy? Yes. Yes. I, for example, the day one that I interviewed a high school student in September, many of them didn't dare to say talk about the name of the king directly, or they have to reveal use the nickname or whatever. But after 10 of August, now if you go to the protest, no one closed their face. No one would stop talking about about reforming the monarchy, which for me is something big surprise for those who have keep an eyes on the, the Thai politics for a long time. So it's been a few yes. months since yes. you know, people have really started talking openly about forming the monarchy, reforming oh. the government. So how has the government and the monarchy responded to the student uh, protests I- and you know this new discourse, this new everyday discourse that people are having? For the Thai state, either the bureaucratic system, military, or the lawyer institute, this is something very new for them. They they have never ever encountered this kind of situation before. So first of all, they use the same tactic that they used to apply with the earlier opposition, either the movement or the political party. They they use the violence, they use the arrest legal, sue, or the threatening physically, mentally, they use the the conservative institute like the school in order to threaten the student. But after months of using this, instead of being able to threaten and uh, lower the voice of all these high school students, they became a lot more angry and the movement become bigger, widespread, more unified, which during the past two months, the, the organization of the student protests have evolved from the scattered, fragmented, become a lot more unified. And everybody, the new, the younger, new generation of the leaders and the public speaker become widely, widely accepted in the society. For example, the protest on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we have seen that there were no more single leader. Everybody have their own uh, microphone from home, and everybody alternately become a public speaker. And that they have like been very. Uh, yes and no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you tell us a little bit more about what's happening today, and, and particularly how the, the the monarchy is responding to these students? Have they put out any press releases, or has the king said anything to sort of tamper, you know, the the discord? After the failure of the first uh, threatening measurement, the violence to the student, um, they have, I think during the past, past few days, particularly yesterday, they have changed the tactic. It's now they're trying to open up more the space for the student to step back and they try to argue that they would step back as well. Today, this early morning, they have already uh, lift their emergency decree 
and the prime minister announced last night that they would open the the, the emergency round of the the debate in the House of Parliament regarding this political crisis. So we have seen the sign that they have tried to, to step back. But before this, on top of the violence that the military use, they also trying to use the old style of the Cold War anti-communist strategy, particularly use the loyalist campaign against the student movement. Our, Last week on 13 or 14, I cannot remember well, but there were a kind of state setting up that the, there were the, the crown try to storm into the, the car which carried the queen and the, the prince on the car. And that picture was questioned by many, many signs that was that the state is setting up by the government or the loyal list group that tried to victimize the student that turned them into antidotes who try to use the violence against the, the, the monarchy. Mm-hmm. However, this, this was not that successful because nowadays are the Twitter and the, the, the individual campaigner have tried to, to unfold this kind of, of, of phenomenon. And it seems like it didn't work well. It would not be able to mobilize or provoke the anger among the, the royalist group. What do you think is going to happen in the future? What are they dreaming of is very, is very difficult and it's very challenging, mm. more far more challenging than any other political movement in Thailand. Because they are talking about anti-establishment in every single level. Unlike during the 1932, even though they have the revolution, the so-called revolution of the Thai uh, democracy, changing the Thailand from absolutist monarchy to the constitutional monarchy, but that's still reform comparing to the Western world. But now the the students are now challenging. They're asking for not only reform, but many students have went beyond this. So so I'm not quite sure that how this demand would be able to achieve. Mm-hmm. However, if we talk about what is going to happen in a very short-term future, we have seen that the government are now be, have been aware that they would not be able to tackle with the student like the earlier opposition. So now they, I think they are now reforming their, their, their way to treat the student movement. But for the student movement, they have already come very far. They have successfully to mobilize, I don't know, hundreds of thousand people on the street on the 19th of September. I'm not quite sure, but they were a high supporter come from various sectors now, not only among the students themselves. We have seen the, uh, the startup business group, we have seen the rural pool, we have seen the labor group are now joining the protest and organize the protest themselves in parallel with the student uh, uh, protest and demonstrations. Well, it's just such an inspiring and interesting phenomenon to watch from afar. Thank you so much for doing all of these interviews. I look forward to seeing some of the research that's going to come out of this because it's it's just an incredible moment, like you said, sort of historically. So, Conocrat, thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed, and I really had a nice time talking today. Thank you.
Kanokrat Lertrul Kasal is an assistant professor at Chulakong University in Thailand. A transcript of today's interview can be found at freshedpodcast.com. Please note that opinions expressed on FreshEd are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not FreshEd, which takes no institutional position. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews really do help. FreshEd's team includes Sherry Yang, Hong Zong, Hushik Waba, Fatih Aktis, and Ing Jung Cho. Original music for FreshEd was created by Digital Primate. FreshEd is an independently run podcast without advertisements and is made possible by the support of the Open Society Foundations, NORAG, and listeners like you. Please consider donating to FreshEd by visiting freshedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.